reading from the book of Proverbs, chapter 30. Two things I ask of you, Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. Well, I get to talk to you today about <clears throat> what you absolutely want in the world. It's what you want. It's what everybody you know wants. It's, it's what you want for everybody that you care about, for your kids, for your grandkids. I get to talk to you today about, for sure, what you wish you had and what you want out of this life. And the good news I have for you is that what you want is exactly what you were made for. The reason you want it so much is it's exactly what you were created to have. And it's what God wants for you so badly. But I'm convinced that many people in our culture, many of you in this room, and on occasion I get distracted. We don't have what we deeply want in this life because we just get confused. A few weeks ago... Uh, I got up early one morning, uh, way before the sun was up. I had to go meet somebody for breakfast in another part of uh, Georgia. And uh, I was going to go meet them for breakfast. We were going to have a conversation, good friend of mine, and then drive back and go to work, the whole thing. And uh, the last few months when I get done with these early breakfasts that I have with people, I have been uh, reconnecting with my sisters. And I haven't talked, I have spent a lot of time with my sisters. I left home uh, when I was young and... Uh, I really haven't been back to Mississippi much since then. And uh, there's nothing wrong. We don't have any problems with each other. They just did their life. I did mine. But uh, one of my sisters is now widowed. They're both older than me, and the other one's uh, divorced. And I just really felt called by the Lord that I should try to reconnect with them. So I made this commitment that every time I would go to one of these breakfasts uh, during the week, that I would call my sisters. And I call them both, and one of them's nice enough to never answer the phone. And the... Uh, <laughs> The, the other one always answers, and I spend time talking to her. And uh, this particular Wednesday when I, was, when I was talking to her, as we got uh, back closer and closer to the office, I pulled in the parking lot. She was right in the middle of talking about something. It didn't feel right for me to just uh, say we're done. So I turned my truck off, and uh, I couldn't grab my phone because, you know, we're connected, Bluetooth, the whole thing. And I just sat there, and I talked to her. Well, the problem is... Uh, she also likes to talk like I like. It's a genetic thing, apparently. And uh, when we finally got so far into the middle of it, I realized, oh, I'm late for a meeting. And I'm going to have to go. And I told her I was going to have to go. And so I got out of my truck. I grabbed my bag uh, that I take everywhere with me. It's got everything I need uh, in it. And so I rushed in the office. And as I went in the office, I knew that they were already starting the meet, and I was already late, and so I just took this down to my office. I didn't even open my office. I sat outside the door, put it down there. Now, I don't take my phone into meetings ever, so I, I'm, it's not because I'm not offended by other people that take their phone into meetings. It doesn't bother me if you have your phone in a meeting. It doesn't bother me, and you may not know this about me. I'm easily distracted, so if you're new here, don't move quickly. It distracts the heck out of me. <laughs> It just, I will, I will go off on a tangent in a heartbeat. Uh, but I just, I can't have them with me. I can't have my phone with me 
and not be distracted by I will look at it and, and be distracted. So I don't take it to meetings. And so we went through this meeting. It was a good meeting, got to the end of it. Before I could get back to my office, somebody in the hallway said, hey, I need to talk to you about something. So we stepped into the hallway. We had a conversation. And I realized uh, it had already been two hours since I had been work. And I thought, uh, before I get into something, I should check my phone. And so I went to my bag, and this is the pocket I normally put my phone in. And I looked in there, and I go, huh. And then I thought, there's another pocket on the other side, which I could have mistakenly put it in. And I looked over there, and it's not in there. And then I did, and I'm not going to do this for you because I got everything I need in here. Uh, but I opened this up, and I just sort of sorted through it, and I couldn't find my phone. And so I put it down. My wife also works here. You may not know that. But I walked down to her office, and I went in, and I said, hey, have you seen my phone? Now, I hadn't seen her at all that morning. She was asleep when I left. I said, have you seen my phone? And she gave me that look that only having been married 43 years, you know what it means. It was, hey, dude, I'm not responsible for you. That's the look. And, but what she said to me is, no. And I said, okay. So I went back to the room where we had had the meeting thinking, well, maybe I put it in my pocket and it fell out in the room but nope, not in the room. So I went back to the office. I grabbed this bag. I opened it up, and now I just took it and dumped everything on the desk. And I'm sorting through everything on the desk. There is no phone in the bag. <clears throat> and then I did what everybody says you do when you lose your phone. I dialed it from the landline at the office, and it rings. But you can't hear it nowhere. And now I'm panicked, and I'm thinking the next thing they tell you is, so where did you last have the phone? And I'm thinking about the phone conversation with my sister, and I go, oh, it's in the truck. So I walk back out to my truck, and I look on the seat, and I look in the console uh, where I normally have it, and I think it must have fallen off on the floor because I didn't, I didn't have it in my hand because I'm, I'm, I'm a law-abiding citizen and all. I would never... And, uh, and I can't find it. So I'm in that now anger-induced anxiety search. You know what I mean? I'm throwing stuff in the truck. I'm pulling it out. I'm looking. I'm saying things only to myself that I would not say here. I'm pulling things, and I'm looking for it. And in the middle of it, I hit my head on something. It was this. Do you all know what this is? This is a hands-free phone carrier. <laughs> and when I hit my head on this, it fell off, and in front of me was my phone. <laughs> it was on the hands-free phone thing that I put on because I'm a law-abiding citizen and all of that. <laughs> and there it was. Now, my name is Ed, and uh, if, you're, <laughs> if you're here for the very first time and you're wondering to yourself, Okay, why'd he tell us that long story? We're going to get to that in a moment. Uh, we're talking these days about wisdom. And what I want, the reason I told you that story, again, and if you're thinking, well, he told us that story because he's an old dude and he forgets stuff a lot nowadays, <laughs> I could have told you that story when I was 25. Uh, I don't wear coats at my age because my mom got so mad at me for leaving them at school and forgetting them. I just stopped and I haven't worn one since. I don't own a jacket. My mom, I hope she's happy. Uh, <laughs> I do not own a jacket. 
uh, because I just can't keep up with stuff. I can't, I can't keep up with it. So uh, I told you that story because of what I said earlier. You often don't have what you want because you ain't looking in the right place. I, you don't get what you want, no matter how hard you look, if you don't look in the right place. Now, another thing I find about people, and it confuses me particularly why Christian people don't want to do this, but a lot of Christian people don't want to talk about the fact that we have an enemy. It is not the government, by the way. <laughs> and it's not another country, and it's not a human being. We have an enemy, and Nathan's already told you that we believe around here that Jesus is right about everything. And Jesus said about our enemy that he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he comes to steal your joy. He comes to kill your peace. He comes to suck the life out of your soul. And a whole bunch of us, we walk around through life, and if anybody ever talks to me about the devil, it's almost in cartoonish ways. People will say things to me like, Pastor, it's really hard week. The, the devil, he, he destroyed my car. No, he didn't. The devil's not that concerned about the circumstances of your life. He, he's not the one that gave you cancer. He's not the one that maimed you in some ways. He's not the one that created the circumstances. The circumstances of your life are not of interest to him. He's not interested in the circumstances you're in. He's interested in what's happening in you and what he can tempt you going on inside of you and in your head because of the circumstances you're in. He's not manipulating the circumstances. He's at work in you. And he wants to steal your joy and ruin your peace and just suck the life out of you. But Jesus, on the other hand, said, I have come that you could have life and you could have it to the full, abundant. I've held on to a translation I heard when I was a young man that said, Jesus said, I have come that you could have life and it would be running out your ears. It'd be overflowing in you. You were designed by God to have abundant life and that has nothing to do with the circumstances of your life. It has to do with what happens in you in spite of your circumstances you won't ever have that unless you start looking for it and you look in the right place. One of the metaphors Jesus used to describe himself was, I am the bread of life. Now, some of us think about bread more than others. I love bread. But for the majority of us, we don't think about it too much because we can go into any grocery store and get a vast assortment of bread. But for people steeped in the Jewish tradition, the bread of life was incredibly poignant. Bread is a theme you can trace through the whole Bible. It symbolizes God's provision, God's care, and God's faithfulness. When God established the various feasts and celebrations for the people of Israel, like the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of the Trumpets, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, they all had different kinds of bread that went along with them. Some of you are hoping we might celebrate some of these festivals. But the bread most of Jesus' audience would have thought of when he said bread of life was called manna. 
It was God's provision for his people while they wandered in the desert for 40 years. Manna would fall from the heavens every day and the people could make bread from it. It looked like snowflakes coming down, but also a little like coriander seed that they could make bread from. One ancient poem of the people of Israel says, God opened the doors of heaven. He rained down manna for the people to eat. He gave them the grain of heaven. Manna was God caring for his people in need. They could gather enough for one day, but if they got extra, the next morning it was full of worms. It was almost like this picture from God, trust in me. You only need enough for today. And if you take more, it's just going to rot. But not just rot the bread, it's going to rot your soul. But for 40 years, right on time, every day, they got up and there was enough bread for everyone. So Jesus comes along and says, I am the bread of life. I am all you need for an abundant life. Now it's natural to think that full and abundant life means filling our lives with more. More money, more positive doctor reports, more health in your relationships, more compensation at your job, more recognition from your peers. But that's not the more of the kingdom of God. It's the more of American culture. The promise is if you have more, you'll be happy. Studies actually show us that money can only increase your happiness to a point. In fact, several studies have been done and they can't agree on the income level. 75,000, 95,000, 105,000, the dollar amount changes. But what's always consistent is that at some point, happiness and satisfaction actually decreases the more you make. Contentment and peace actually go down. But still, we buy into the lie of more. If I just had more time in the day, more money in my pocket, more excitement in my marriage, if I just had more, then my life would be full. And because we buy into this, we miss out on the wisdom of God. There's this prayer in the book of Proverbs that just doesn't sound right in a culture of more. Two things I ask of you, Lord, do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Now, most of us are good with that because we don't wanna be dishonest people, but we don't wanna take the option off the table either. So we might choose to change it too. Keep falsehood and lies away from me, but just within reach in case someone asks me a question I don't wanna answer. But that's not the hardest part for us. This next part is what's difficult for those in an American capitalism culture. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? In other words, if I have too much, I might not think I need God. But if I have too little, I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. So here is the wisdom we need for today. You and I will never find what we are looking for in the land of more. The full and abundant life of Jesus is not found in the land of more. Wisdom says, I don't want to have so much that I don't need to trust God, and I don't want to have so little that I'm tempted to compare myself to others or to lie or cheat or steal. Wisdom asks for one thing, my daily bread. At the beginning of our service, we read the words of Jesus that instructed us not to worry, not to busy ourselves with Storing up treasures on earth and pursuing life and temporary things like good looks and wealth and success and power. Jesus promises you and I abundant life. Life to the full. In His kingdom. But life to the full 
is not about filling up our lives with more. Jesus said about this kind of life, for the pagans, and what he means is those who live as if there is no God, run after all these things. But you know that your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Jesus says that life to the full is actually found in really seeking one thing. And I want us to read these words together. You'll see words in bold on the screen. Read those out loud with me. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Now, I think you probably have lived long enough to know that Jesus does not mean that if you follow Him, anything you could ever possibly want, you could get in this life. What He's saying is that if you seek Him first, He becomes what you want the most in this life. And all these other things that you are, have been seeking... Well, they become really nothing more than just additive to your life. If you get them, they're just bonus goodness, sprinkles of God's favor in your life. But they are not your greatest delight. Jesus Christ is. And so before we move on, we want to take a moment to pause and reflect on where we are looking for life in the land of more. What are you pursuing? What do you keep saying to yourself? You know, if I could just have that if i could just get that when that thing finally happens when that deal comes through then it'll all be good what is it that you keep saying if i could have that relationship or that marriage or those kids or that income or that success or that career or that lifestyle then my life could actually be great what is it you are seeking most in your life? Would you just take a moment to ask God to reveal that to you? Or if you already know what it is, would you confess it to Him? Let's do that now. Now, would you take a moment to ask God to be enough for you? Ask Him to help you pursue Him, seek Him first in all things so that He becomes what you want the most. And it's okay if you want to ask Him for whatever this additional thing is as well. God wants you to bring your cares to Him. But would you ask Him at the same time to help you see that thing is additional to your life? For God is all you need. And if you can't pray that honestly, would you just tell that to God? Ask Him to help you grow to the place where you'd actually want to seek Him first. God is not angry or offended by our honesty. He desires it because He desires you. The real you, not the fake presentable version that we bring before Him so often. So would you talk to Him honestly now?
Heavenly Father, help us to desire you above all else. Give us neither poverty nor riches, only our daily bread. And we know that you have already given us our daily bread because you have given us the bread of life, Jesus Christ. And he is enough. Help us to live in that truth. In the name of Jesus, amen. So those of you that are here and you know a little bit about the life of Jesus or you've read the stories of Jesus or maybe you've just heard this somewhere, there was a time where the followers of Jesus, the men and women who are closest to him at one point come to him and say, Lord, would you teach us to pray like you pray? We'd like to know to pray the way you do. And so he gave them a model prayer. You probably heard it. You may have repeated it. it. He says, so when you pray, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come on earth. Your will be done on earth in me, in Coweta County, just like it is in heaven. And then Jesus' next words, it's apparent that he had read this proverb. He says, give us today daily bread there are a couple of places in the scripture where jesus calls himself that he's bread he provides daily bread it's interesting as the pandemic was finally canceled last week the one that hasn't been canceled yet that is a common so much that everybody talks about that is still going on in fact I get so many emails or papers about all the research that's happening in our culture about the rise in anxiety and the pandemic of depression and the struggle that people are having just, I mean, old and young just feel overwhelmed by life. That's just more. I mean, we've all collectively been through a lot. And people are just, they're just struggling with life. When I spend any time talking to a parent, parents with uh, young kids at home, one of the things most every parent is concerned about these days is how do I help my kid who may be battling with anxiety or really struggling to make it through what's expected of them and they just feel overwhelmed. I read a report this week, you may not have heard it yet, but that a part of the rising lack of attendance in schools in our world is kids just they have panic attacks thinking about going to school. That is being overwhelmed of what's required of them to be there. And I just say to parents, if that's where you are and you're trying to help your, your kid, we started a podcast a few months ago directly for parents to sort of talk about these issues and help with you. You ought to go to community-christian slash YouTube and you can watch it if you want to see the lovely faces of people on our staff. Or if you just want to hear our voices, you can just go to the messages page and subscribe to our podcast, but it, it will help you. Uh, I'm always taken with dads. I love to talk to young dads, and when it really hasn't changed much from when I'm with a dad. That you, Most dads, young and old, whether their kids are still at home or their kids are grown, the one thing that most dads spend... What is in our crawl that we don't say out loud unless we're alone with somebody we trust, they say, I think I didn't do as good a job with my kid as I should have. 
I wish I had done better. I feel like I messed it up. I'm not, I'm worried that I may have messed up my kids. I watched dads over the years be so drained of the power to be in the moment with their kids by the regrets over the past or their fear of, I've got to get them ready for the future. They're so worried about the future or the past that they, they miss out on the only thing they have with their kids. The only thing you have is now. You only have now. You can't fix the past. You can't get the future done. I had a conversation with a mom whose kid's in college, and I hadn't seen her for a while. I said, how's she doing in college? And she told me about it. She says she's just about to graduate. And then almost like it's just a part of our culture, she said, I'm so worried that with inflation, she won't be able to make it, and she won't be able to afford a place on her own, and she may not be able to find a job, and maybe she won't be able to make it. I just... I don't know if we prepared her enough for the whole thing. And I don't say these things out loud anymore because for 40 years I got labeled as not being kind. I don't say these things, but what I wanted to say was, do you really think the God of heaven is troubled that the Fed can't solve inflation? Do you think God is pacing the floor over inflation? That he's pacing the floor over what our government's going to do or who's going to be elected or who's not going to be elected or whether your God that you say you trust is not worried about the circumstances of your daughter's life. He's worried about what's happening in her because of the circumstances of her life. What's going on in her? You know, I say something that I I say to people all the time around here, people will walk in on a Sunday morning and I guess they just think because I'm old, this is just old people speak. Oh, the world's just going to hell, Ed. I'm so afraid of what the future holds for our world. What's going to go in our country? I'm just afraid and I want to go, man, you ain't got no cards to play in the future. Why would you let today be sucked dry with fear of tomorrow? You don't have anything but right now. I mean, everybody's saying to me, old, I'm thinking, you ain't got tomorrow. All we have is today. And what you get from Jesus, he said, I am daily bread, which goes to say, you can't store it up for tomorrow, and you can't spend any of it on yesterday. You have to trust that Jesus will take care of yesterday and he'll take care of tomorrow. You live with him today. Another image that he gives for himself is this idea of living water. And the idea behind living water, he uses this image at one point. He says to us, hey, if you will trust me, if you'll really trust me, from your belly, I will create a spring of living water that will come up from you. He says to a woman that he meets at a well who's in the act of drying out water from the well, he says to her, if you knew who you're talking to, you wouldn't ask me for water. You'd ask me for living water. And of course, the contrast he's making is to the well. Because you have to work to get water out of a well, but the word he uses for living water is a spring. It just comes out of the ground. You don't do anything, just get your bucket and catch it. He said, if you knew what I could give you, You could have life coming out of your belly every day for all you need for that day. And Jesus just promises, if you'll trust me, 
for today, no matter what your circumstances are, good or bad, I will give you everything you need for today. My job, your job, my job every day is to wake up and say, God, I will do this day with you. And then I just interact with every person, every circumstance I come in touch with. And I used to feel like what I had to do when people would come to me is with my friends or people in the church is that I had to meet their need. I can't meet your need. My job is not to fill up your empty cup. My job is to empty everything in my cup. And if it doesn't fill you up, God's going to have to send somebody else. I just pour everything I have out of mine, trusting that he will fill mine back up. I just give everything I can. Teachers, you don't have to give everything you have to to your students. You aren't there to fill them up. Just empty yourself into them. Parents, you can't fill up your kids. You just empty everything God gives you for that day to whoever comes your way with the trust Jesus will take care of everything else that they need. I just have to trust him to fill me back up. You contrast that with the culture of the water that we swim in. It's the only water most of us have known, which is, I need more. I need to have more. I need to, I need to get more. I need to work harder. I need to hump it. I need to work. My kids need more. I need to make sure my kids go to everything that I can get the skills they need and the abilities they need. I need to get their resume full. I need to have everything that I can prepare them as fully as life. And you drink from the water of more, and you drink it and drink it and drink it, and you find out it's salt water because it sucks life out of you. It's like you've been pouring into a cup that has holes in it. It just runs out as fast as you can pour it in. And even though you believe in Jesus, and even though you sing the songs, and even though you say you trust in him, and you think that he is daily bread, you live with anxiety and regret from the past, and it's on top of you every moment, and you lay awake at night thinking, why didn't I do that right, and how am I going to handle tomorrow? Or you spend all of your life concerned with something other than the moment of the day. And then you convince yourself because you've lived that way and your parents lived that way and everybody you work lived that way, you say to yourself, I guess this is as good as it gets. I just have to suck it up and do the best I can. But this is as good as it is. But the problem is... You're looking for abundant life that you were made for, and you look in the wrong place. You will never find what you were made for looking in the wrong place. And you will never be content trying to convince yourself that it's as good as it gets. Let me tell you about life abundant. Life that's full that's running out your ears. It's this simple idea, it's this notion that Jesus is actually good enough to give you today what you need today. It's this ridiculous idea that the verses you read out loud that you can trust him for today are actually true. That if you will trust him enough for today, that you will find he is daily bread and he is living water that will spring up in you. One of the most powerful movements in our 
world in the last hundred years is the 12-step movement that grew right out of the New Testament. Many people don't know that, even that are involved in 12-step, that it all flows out of the New Testament of the Bible, the teachings of Jesus. And one of the most powerful principles that you have to come back to in the midst of that is you can only do one day at a time. Life comes at you one day at a time. And if you can't ever get in your mind, tomorrow you don't have, and yesterday is gone, that it comes one day at a time. And life abundant is living life to the full in that day. And people will go, you know, Ed, I, I don't know if I can make it through my husband's months of chemo. Or like a friend of mine said, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can make it through prison. I don't know if I can make it another week. I don't either. But I bet you can make the day. I bet you can do this day. I bet you can get all the way through today and know that God was good today. I wonder how just that simple prayer that we said several times here, God give me neither riches nor poverty. And that didn't have to do just with money. It could be with health. It could be with anything. God, give me neither of those so that I want to be dependent on you. What that simple prayer would change. Marriages where people look sit around and go, you know, I'm not going all in first. I mean, if she would finally change and our life would be full and abundant, then I could really love her. Well, what if you decided to pray I just need to have enough love for today. What if I could just love her today? For those of you who can't get your kids to act the right way and you don't know what to do, what if you could just figure out, God, how do I do the next right thing with my kid today? I just need to do today. By the way, for moms and dads, you cannot be the perfect mom and dad. You need to let that go. It is the one job all of us wanted to have, and we all screwed it up. Everybody that takes that job fails it. You will not be the first one to be perfect. But you don't have to be. You just have to be today the best mom you can be, the best dad you can be today. And you get to the end of the day, and you find... Today was okay. I was satisfied with today. That. That's abundant life. You begin stacking up days. You get months. You get years. And finally you realize, I really do trust Jesus. Look at me. I trust him. Today, because today's all I've got. I know this is true because I spent most of the, more than 40 years of my life being afraid. Now, nobody who really knew me in the first 40 years of my life would say that's an afraid person. You know what they just said? That dude is angry. Or the people who liked me and covered up for me would say, he's driven. Dude's really driven. But I wasn't, I wasn't, I was just, I was so scared. I was scared. I, you know what I was scared? I was scared I couldn't handle it. I couldn't, and I was scared I couldn't be the best 
I couldn't be the pastor I needed to be. I couldn't be the dad I needed to be. I couldn't be the husband I needed to be. I couldn't be the friend I needed to be. I wasn't sure I had enough for everything that might come at me. But now for more than a decade, with a lot of prayer and help from other people, I finally been able to figure out how I can live every day with Jesus. Now, I don't do it perfectly every day. Some days I lose. You may find me on one day and it's not going very well and you go, oh, Ed's getting a zero today. <laughs> that happens to me, even still. But most days, most days these days, I'm winning. I think about all the people that you already heard about that God said, you're in the desert, I'll provide manna for you every day. Now you can't take any for tomorrow. It'll spoil if you keep it. Can't store it up. Can't take any and hold on to it. You got to trust me every day. You know how long they did that? 40 years. I thought about that story as I was preparing to think, talk to you all about this and I wondered about me. How many years would it have taken me to live in that tent to wake up in the morning before I could finally go I bet there's manna outside. Or would I have gotten up every morning and go, I don't know, I better check. You know how long it had probably taken me? 40 years. But I know one thing, the, the day you finally wake up and you realize God's mercies are new every morning, that's the day you get free. The day that you realize He can be trusted today, for me, that was the day I got set free. What I've shared with you today is not just a good idea. This is the way God designed the world to work. This is the way he put it in process. That's why this is wisdom for you. When you begin to live this way, and in the middle of the day God calls you to give something and be generous, you can be generous because, of course, He's going to pour back into your cup anyway. You can just empty your cup out and he'll fill it back up. You can relax and love whoever comes toward you that day because you're just responsible to fill them with what you have. You don't have to be in the pursuit of more. You don't have to buy the line sold to you by the news, by everybody who wants you to vote for them, and by the enemy that you need to be afraid of somebody taking because you've got to have more. The lie and the liar, all they want is to steal, kill, and destroy you. But you were designed to have life abundant, but you only get it one day at a time. So we invite you to live the life of Jesus with us and take the next step, which is always involved with the community of people, with Jesus. So when you're done today, after we're in, we encourage you to go to the Next Step Center. Talk to us about taking the next step with us, with Jesus, with this community. But for now, we're going to remember Jesus giving his life for us. We're going to remember him in bread and juice. And today, be thankful as he gives you what you need for today.